Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from Alaska. This week in production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message for Art at 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908 451 Six seven six zero. Thanks. When I last left you, I was boarding a plane for Alaska to start the Iditarod sled dog race, the 50th running, kind of a big celebratory year. Tom and I checked 23 cases onto the plane, went pretty smoothly, nothing got lost. Nothing really got damaged, though I always find a couple of small screws in the bottom of the road cases, which freaks me out a little bit, but I guess maybe a little Loctite is in order. Anyway, we had a busy week of setup. There's the usual frustrations on waiting for things. For example, I had to place a Teradek encoder at the local TV station in order to facilitate a simulcast of their ceremonial start race broadcast. And the plan was that I get an outside IP address from the station. I drop the Teradek Cube 605 in their rack and I can configure it from my hotel. I can start and stop it. I can do all those things that need to be done. That was supposed to happen on Monday. Waited, waited, waited for network information. On Friday, they called and said, we can't we're not allowed to give you outside IP address. We have to give you a DHCP address inside the network, but we'll give you a uh, computer with team viewer access to control it locally. Well, that was not a good surprise in the 11th hour and, you know, really got me all crazy. The first little headache that I had to deal with because now I could not get I was planning to use SRT out of the cube into the Intenor router that we have in my hotel room. And of course, I could not get the SRT. The ports were blocked, and that was my fear. And it's, you know, I'm not a network engineer. I know just, just enough to be really dangerous, but not proficient. So, of course... Uh, Intenor has great support and they're always jumping in to help me, but the time difference is plus 10 hours. So I was struggling with this at, you know, 8 p.m. at night on Friday night and I needed it on Saturday and I could not reach uh, Intenor, rightly so. But I got up at 3 a.m. and took a chance on reaching out on uh, Skype to my uh, contact and he was able to reroute the ports, show me how to get around the block into the router and sort of save the day. But what I had to 
deal with before I knew I had that in my pocket was a nightmare. Um, I have used in the past RTMP, and we have a Wow's a Cloud uh, encoder that is running on Amazon. And I've been able to RTMP the uh, feed from the broadcast station to the Wowza engine, and then I can pull it down into MIMO as RTSP. And it's a little clunky because it adds latency, but in this case, all I really needed to do is put in a local promo feed instead of the local commercials, and latency really was not a big deal. So I had kludged it together, but MIMO had a big problem, and it's one of the few times I've struggled to get something done in MIMO. I could not get the uh, RTSP feed to come in cleanly. And part of the problem I realized was I'm running the beta version on an Apple Silicon laptop, and that's completely beta. And this is one of the features that's not really implemented. I, if I told you I had to do a complete command line installation of FFmpeg, which is crazy scary, and I still couldn't get it to work. So I actually put OBS on the Mac, and that worked to pull the stream from Wowza, but I don't like using OBS because I don't know the interface that well. I find it cumbersome. And it wouldn't really work for me to, to do my uh, insertions efficiently. So I decided I would run OBS in the background. I would screen capture OBS into Mimo Live. And then I would use loopback to bring the audio in and then restream all that back to Wowza to be uh, sent out to the CDN and to the world. And if you think that was sketchy, it was. It was super kludgy. It was using a lot of processor, but it worked. And at 11 o'clock on a Friday night before I needed this, you know, thing happening, I felt like at least I had a plan. The SRT was much more reliable, much cleaner, almost no latency, and worked very smoothly. So that's the normal, normal stuff I deal with. But Thursday of last week was really the first test of my live stream rack. And this was completely re-engineered from last year, built it on new fly, uh, the SKB fly cases, the fly rack cases. There are 4U cases with covers and tops that come off and places for laptops and things to sit. I really like them. But new equipment, a lot of new parts, and Thursday was the first real stress test. Tom and I went over to the uh, hall where the, the banquet was going to be held. We set up three robos, plus I used a fiber link, uh, tactical fiber, single mode, 1,000 feet for a handheld camera. And I used uh, multi-dyne silver bullets to convert that into baseband SDI on both sides. So I had lots of stuff going on. I had the um, Blackmagic Ultra Studio 3G monitor. This is the one that uses USB-C or you know Thunderbolt 3, I guess, to uh, output SDI. I had an AJA HD SDI 
DA. I had outputs going everywhere, outputs going to the room, outputs going to the uh, Teradek Video Go. That was going to be my external encoder because I got to say, when I plugged all this stuff in, the problems with the DeckLink card that I thought I overcame, if you listened to the last episode, you heard that whole tale, the problems were not resolved. It was using 60 to 85% processor load at the system level just for the Blackmagic drivers. And then it was another 35% on the uh, user side to do MIMO. So I did not feel confident in using this to go to air. And I thought, oh, I'll take some load off. I won't do software encoding. I'll put the Teradek Video Go uh, on SDI and I'll just send it out that way. Still no difference. So at the 11th hour, after getting my whole show set up onto one machine, I decided I would go back to the uh, 2019 MacBook Pro i9 that was running Big Sur and just let that handle the load. And that, believe me, that was a dream. Smartest decision I ever made because that was only using about 5 to 10% processor. So there's definitely some bug in the Blackmagic drivers uh, for Apple Silicon. And I don't know if they're aware of it or not. I know Mimo's aware of it, though I don't know if they can do anything about it, but it just is, and I'm not the only one. I've, I've seen other people report this. So unfortunately, my experimentation with the beta didn't really work out. So I did the show on the i9. The show was super, super smooth. The new system worked great. The Really, the heart of it on the laptop side is the CalDigit TS4 dock. This is a new dock that has Thunderbolt 4. It gives me four Thunderbolt 4 ports. It'll charge the computer. The, the Apple M1 Max charges it no problem and gives me USB. Uh, it gives me 2.5 gigabit Ethernet, which is a step up from gigabit, but not as good as 10 gigabit, but step up. And my new M4250 Netgear switch happens to be 2.5 gigabit. So that's a nice thing too. So that little box really provides me all the I.O. that I need. I had two external uh, Thunderbolt screens for additional uh, menus and palettes and screens. So I was using literally every port on that box. It was great. Handled internet, power, you know, all my connections, all my peripherals. That worked really good. The, the monitors... Not so much. These are ASUS 15-inch uh, 1920-1080 screens. The refresh rate sucks. It sucks. I'm sorry. I really bought them. I was trying to save money. They were like 300 bucks each. They're just kludgy. I should have just bought two 13-inch iPad Pros. You know what they say, penny-wise, pound-foolish. I got burned. Those are in the works for me to replace. The other little wrinkle I had was with my Fieldcast fiber units. And I think it's a power up sequencing issue, but I had the dock on that connects the fiber to power and network. 
on the base end and then it goes out to the camera head into another transceiver and splits it out to the to the robos but i had some problems that were weird unexplainable couldn't get network connectivity to one couldn't get video connectivity on another i've used these things a million times i know it works but i think there's a power up sequence that's not documented in the instructions i think everything has to be connected first then the dock has to be powered up. That was a little bit of a wrinkle in the heat of the battle. We just wound up going directly to the uh, switch for some of the network issues that we had because I had two cameras on the back camera platform where my uh, directing position was, so the, the run wasn't that long. The other camera that was on the other side of the room, that was fine. Handheld was on fiber, didn't need any network for that. And um, it was, you know, a little bit of a headache, but I think, again, something over that I can overcome with the proper sequencing. My Scarhoy PTZ Pro joystick, again, tremendous, works great. Tom was on my left arm doing uh, cameras and, you know, just running the three robos that we had. He was great. The, the, the little box worked just as expected and one of the screens was there as a uh, multi-view for him and for me we shared it very efficient you know two laptops three screens and you know a couple of pieces of hardware and this whole thing can fly away very efficiently so the show went very smooth it was well produced if i do say so myself i really harped on the uh, event organizers to consider the audience in the room, but also to consider the audience on the live stream. This was normally a show that was four plus hours. We got it done in almost two and a half, very tight. Some of that was due to COVID restrictions. There was more video roll-ins, but overall a well-produced show went off without a hitch. So I was feeling really good. And then of course my Friday got crashed and burned with the uh, struggle with the Teradex and the SRT. Saturday, I felt better about it, and then we had a turnaround, and Sunday had another big show. This time, I was producing all on uh, my end completely the restart broadcast. In the past, this has been a show that the local TV station has produced at, a, at an expense to the Iditarod. This year, I said, I'll take another swing at it. I tried it in 2020 just with the robos that I had was not great because we had problems with uh, blocking we had problems with heavy weather that year uh, it wasn't ideal we learned some lessons this year i rented wireless hollyland video units from a local producer up here mr terry burge and we had three or four units that went on the handheld cameras that the uh, documentary team uses so i had handhelds where you know I needed them one at the at the uh, starting line and one down the uh, the shoot a bit as the dog teams come racing past the crowd of fans you know in years past I had cameras that were getting blocked by people because we put the robos in a place that we were told no people were there and then they were there this year we we learned we put them on the side where no people physically could be just by the landscape so the Robos worked great. Uh, the show was great. Mimo Live 
was was clutch for me in that show. I had pre-built animations for lower thirds for all the 50 teams that were leaving. And it was so simple. I dropped it into a playlist and I could just trigger them one after another with a single button. I was using a palette. Uh, if you don't know palette, it's like a modular surface control. I had five buttons that were uh, physical and I could just assign one button to trigger that media playlist and it would play out and it would dissolve off and it would cue to the next one and when the next uh, musher came to the line I would just hit the button beautiful beautiful I ran that whole show basically by myself the robos were locked I had a couple of pre-programmed positions but it, that was a one-man show audio feed came from the local radio station so could not have done that without Mimo did the streaming out of that box again on the i9 machine but you know again that's the machine that worked great and it handled it without any issues did some local recordings everything was stupendous so felt really good about that and of course the rest of the race is still to come there's a whole bunch of challenges ahead that's going to be the next podcast when i have a chance to sort of recoup and catch my breath but but for now, I got to get back to the live streaming of the Iditarod 50. I'll see you on the next episode. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.